ladies and gentlemen, will you give Sharon a real big hand? Thank you. I'm gonna, um, can I raise this up? I'm so tall, okay. So first, before we start, I'm just, yeah, perfect. Um, I wanna just show you in the word what we were doing when we just, in faith, praise God, because sometimes you're like, that's not authentic. I'm, I wanna be real, I don't feel like praising, so I shouldn't praise. But I wanna show you in First Peter, let's just turn there really quick. One, that when we do this, it moves God. <laughs> it's not just for us to feel better, it actually moves him, it actually touches God. So First Peter 1, um, verse, let's just start with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory in the revelation of Jesus Christ whom having not seen you love and right there you know um, in Revelation 4 it says that we throw down like it has this picture of elders throwing down crowns and it says it's giving that him praise glory and honor when they do this and when I read this, I realized, oh my gosh, I know how we get some crowns. <laughs> we get crowns when we are being tested, when we're going through various trials, and we still love, we still praise, <laughs> we still worship. Though we cannot understand, though we cannot see, though it makes no sense, though the pressure be great, when we love him, when we pour out before him, it's greater than gold. In fact, it is incorruptible gold that's being, like, is being refined within us. And I'm telling you, when we do this, you know what happens? We're gonna have crowns to throw down before our king forever and ever. This momentary light affliction will last for a minute. But for eternity, you will be able to lay at his feet what you went through forever and ever. Ah! Okay, I get excited. I get excited because there's meaning to the madness. There's meaning to the pressure. Meaning you get to show and prove love. Hollywood makes a thousand movies over this same issue that you would love in the midst of adversity. We love the movies, they're going through so much and they still love, we love that. And God loves it too. God decided to keep us in the midst of the chaos and there continually choose to love him though it makes no sense. Because let me tell you, if I was God and I wanted to come up with a good evangelism plan, this is what I would do. 
As soon as you say yes to Jesus, you go up in the air and you go to heaven. I feel like people would sign up for that in a heartbeat. There they go. Whoa, how did that happen? They got out, you know, like, whoa, we all want an escape. Oh my gosh, they went to perfection. That's such a good plan. And yet Jesus is like, no, I'm doing something way more. If I keep them in the chaos and they continually, and they go through adversity, I, and they choose to love me, even when it makes no sense. They choose to trust me. They choose to lay down all their own arguments and just worship me. Ah, oh, that will last forever and ever. Because let me tell you, there were angels who were in the midst of perfection and they chose to reject him. He's like, perfection might not be the best way to raise up voluntary lovers. Pressure and darkness might be okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm just, this is such a bunny trail. I wasn't even, this is not on the notes. This is such a bunny trail. But when God created the heavens and the earth, he created light and darkness. Do you know that in heaven there is no darkness? It's pure light all the time. There's no need for the sun because his brightness is filling everything. Why did he make night and day? There's a reason. <laughs> He's like, I'm about to create those who are like me. And I know the best way to train them to be like me is to give them night and day. And I'll give them a faithful witness. I'll give them the moon that even when they can't see me moving, even when they don't know what to do, they can look at them. You know what I mean? Like in the darkness, we can't always see the sun is shining, but we can look and the moon is the sign of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And like, he didn't have to give us the moon, but it's a sign that in the midst of darkness, God wants us to trust he's still reigning. He's still shining. And what the natural is speaking, this is what happens when we worship. We worship, though we cannot see him, though we, we cannot perceive what he is doing when we worship him. It is so touching. And this is where we get out of self, that this isn't about me being authentic. This is about me giving myself to the other. Amen. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that was bonus. Okay. <laughs> now you're my favorite people because you have the, you have 42 in your name. 42 is so meaningful to me. And, um, I just want to tell a few stories about it because it's meaningful. Um, I love the <laughs> years ago, um, 2012, a little bit about the house of prayer, just so you know, it's day and night worship. We have 70 to 80 congregations represented in our worship teams and our prayer teams. And um, we're closed on Sundays. And um, it's from 8 in the morning till midnight, live worship happening. And then we have all these different types of prayer teams. So that's that. Well, one night, we do Friday nights, which is like more of a corporate time. And um, I go up, no, I'm getting ready to speak and I have two messages I might give. And I feel like the Lord said, you're not gonna give either. And I was like, okay. And then he said, you're going to call the people into a 42 day fast. 
was so specific. And I was like, 42, okay. And he's like, yeah, you're calling him into Isaiah 4-2. And I know this is named after Acts 2-42, but I want to add this. <laughs> Isaiah 4.2, he said, I'm going to be the main attraction for my church. They're not going to come to be entertained. They're going to come to be with me. And I'm going to be known as the main attraction. So the branch of the Lord would be seen as beautiful and glorious, and his fruit would be excellent and appealing. And he said, you're going to start on Father's Day, and you'll go till the end of July. And he said, all you're going to do is worship and pray. You're going to cancel anything else that's extra. And so it's the branch of the Lord, right? <laughs> so we do it, and it's awesome. We lose people, but it's awesome. You know what I mean? Like people are like, okay, that's weird. You know, give me something more to do than just worship and pray. Um, even houses of prayer, it's hard to call people just worship and pray. And so, um, <laughs> so we do that in um, summer of 2012, and then spring of 2013, a movie comes out called 42. Remember that? Okay. So I was like, that's so cool. You called us to a 42-day fast, and now there's a movie called 42. Who would have known? And so um, it's about Jackie Robinson, right? Well, Jackie Robinson happens to be a Pasadena boy. He was raised there just down the street from the House of Prayer. And so we have like Jackie Robinson Park, Jackie Robinson Center, there's a massive statue of him. So I was like, woo, that's pretty cool. Like 42 and he's from here. And I didn't know any of that. I'm not a baseball fan. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and so I watched the movie and the movie's good. How many of you saw the movie? Okay. <laughs> so in the movie, it's totally highlighted that the manager is really important to the whole storyline. Meaning if he had not been such an amazing manager, it wouldn't have happened. Plus he had his eyes on a man who followed the good book. So there were people more talented than Jackie Robinson at the time. There were African Americans way more talented than him, but he was a Christian. <laughs> and that means he would turn the other cheek. And so he's, he tells him that. He goes, you know, I'm picking you not just because of your talent. I'm picking you because you also follow the good book, and I do too. So you're going to have to turn the other cheek all the time. Well, anyway, he, he, the manager makes all these things available to him. He, his wife gets to travel with him. All these things happen, right? And um, he, he actually is a punching bag when, when um, Jackie wants to put out his frustration. He's like, you can do it to me. Right? And I was like, he was so significant. What was that guy's name again? Branch. His name is Branch, folks. There's very few people's names. Branch, okay? <laughs> and the Lord had called us to a 42-day fast about the branch. And I was like, what? That is out of control. Well, then I'm going to tell you this one last, and you're, you're like, why is she doing this? Because there's a purpose. <laughs> Back in early days, so this was 2006, a lot had happened to PIHOP um, that would make me think that God was against us. So we were having a lot of situations where I'm just like, um, okay, God, I think this is not your plan. And so he, um, 
I wanted to move to Kansas City, which is where the main IHOP is, and I just wanted to take our team and go there. But um, I, I was given three dreams that week, and literally it was a massive crisis that week for me. I was crying probably going to sleep and crying when I woke up, like, oh my gosh, I didn't follow your will. Like, just <laughs> make it go away. Let me just move to Kansas City or something. And so anyway, I was given three dreams, and the third dream which was to help me stay in Pasadena because God wanted me to, like, wanted it in Pasadena. Um, the, the third dream, I'm trying to get on, okay, I'm graduating from Biola, if anybody likes Biola here, I went to Biola. I'm graduating from Biola again, and um, instead of going out to eat with my family, I'm trying to get on this like bus that's going to Kansas City. So I'm like trying, like they're like, no, you can't come in. I was like, please let me in. And they're like, no, you can't come in. So then I was like, okay, I'll go out to eat with my family. And this is a dream. And um, on the way to the restaurant, my dad hands me a baseball. And again, we're tall, we don't follow baseball. We're, ba we're basketball people. And, um, and I was like, that's so weird. Like my dad's giving me a baseball. It'd probably even be weird if he gave me a basketball. But anyway, he gave me a baseball, and it was a 1942 baseball, very specific. And I was like, wow. And it was signed by Mike Bickle, and that was the end of I, I was like, where did you get this? Like, so interesting. So I wake up from the dream, and I Google it, 1942 baseball, and there's nothing special. Maybe they changed a few rules. I'm like, okay, that's weird. And a few weeks later, the Holy Spirit during prayer says, look up 1942 women's baseball. <laughs> well, in 1941, Pearl Harbor happened in December of 1941. And so all the men were drafted in 1942. So then the women went into major leagues. Okay. <laughs> so both of these situations, both of them, God was using baseball. That's so weird. But it's an all-American sport. And I believe God is going to change the all-American pastime. And it's going to, he's going to make people fascinated with Jesus. Not they have to, but they want to. And not just they want to, but guess what? He's going to impact that people, like what we just did today, worship, right, is going to be the main thing we do. Like people are going to be into worship. I love that your service ends with worship. Meaning, we're not mainly coming to God to get something from him. We're coming to give to him. And then I believe women are going to be raised up in this house. I believe that you're 42, like you are going to be a model of women being raised up. Because I feel like it's not by chance that I'm down the 210 and I'm given all this 42 history and then we're connected. I just feel like there's something on this. And two, the two things are, you're going to help the church be fascinated with Jesus. <laughs> that the committed would become fascinated. Do you get that? <laughs> and the second is women are going to be raised up in your midst. Okay, amen. Okay. <laughs> amen. I feel that. Okay, one more thing before I get into my message. <laughs> one more thing. 
<laughs> so there's this sign in the back called Love LA, which is good. We love to love LA. And you guys are like LA, you know, we, we include the Inland Empire, right? It's like, it's all the way from San Fernando Valley to San Bernardino, right? And um, what it is, is that, that week, it's a week of 24-7 worship and prayer with 24-7 evangelism. Going out every three hours, but it's Acts 1 and 2. See, it's not just Acts 2, it's Acts 1 and 2. Oh, wow, they're already, no, you don't need to do that yet. Don't do that yet. <laughs> we'll do that at the end. But I'm going to tell just a quick story because, um, and this isn't the main reason I'm here, but this is, this is an important thing because I'm only going to give like a two-minute, maybe a five-minute plug, and then um, we'll have another time where we can really call you into this. But um, you guys are Acts 2 people. You've got to be involved in this. I know, I know that I know. Okay, so Acts 1 and 2, spending two hours in the house of prayer, spending time in the presence of Jesus before we go out and we're with the lost. Because a lot of times when we do evangelism, we just pray, oh, God, bless us. God, prepare them. Thank you, God. We just thank you. Yes, amen. You know what I mean? Whatever. But we don't, we don't actually just spend time receiving from the presence, experiencing hot, like fresh bread from heaven, and then going out, that we're like dripping. I love to tell this story. Sorry, I'm going into 20 buddy trails. <laughs> but not, sorry, not sorry, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but um, Heidi Baker tells this story. She, she has the rain, she, she called it rainbow bread. How many of you ever heard that story? Oh, good. Okay, some of you had. <laughs> but for the rest of you, I'm telling it. Okay, so um, basically no preservatives and bread over there. So um, it becomes rainbow bread very quickly, meaning it's full of mold, right? <laughs> and all colors of mold. So one time she's going to go speak to her people. She has rainbow bread with her. The Lord told her to take it and then to buy hot bread or fresh bread on the way there. So she is speaking, and while she's speaking, she says, okay, I brought this beautiful bread with me, and it's totally moldy. And she's like, if you want some, please take it. You know, have as much as you want. So in the front three rows are the hungriest people and literal hunger. Like they're hungry, hungry. They're poor and they're hungry are in the first three rows. No one takes the bread. No one. Not one person. And then she's like, okay, I brought some other bread. <laughs> if you want some of this, go ahead and take it. It's gone within two minutes. And it was like 20 loaves or something. And what she, what she says is, even the poorest of the earth doesn't want old bread. And yet we want, like the, even though they're very, very hungry, they won't eat old bread. And we, as Christians, try to give all these non-Christians old bread because we haven't been with Jesus for a long time. And even if they really wanted him, they can't, they're not, they don't want what you're trying to give him. <laughs> they want fresh bread. And you know what's so good about bread? Bread, the richest and the poorest want it. You'll find it in the most expensive restaurants in, across the earth. But you also, the poorest of the poor want it. Meaning, and then he, 
What I love about this is we need the presence of God daily to be able to give it to other people. Like we need it for ourselves, but we need it for, to give to other people. So this, this whole Love LA is spending time getting hot bread so that when we go to be with the lost, they want it. So I did this a few years ago. Pihop hosted it. I went out. I'm going to tell a real quick story. So Pasadena, it's, I mean, it's okay. Like there's, there's people that are open, but this isn't normal. I'm just going to say that. It's because we were spending, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, worship and prayer with 24-7 evangelism. So I decide to go down the street. So I go down the street with two other people. There's 12 of us going out. We split up into teams of four. And while we were in the presence of God, I just felt like the Lord said, I'm going to heal a ton of people. So I know what to look for a little bit. Plus, he's lined it all up. God's like, I'm going to order this for you. So we go out, <laughs> this is so fun, and the first person we see is at a bus stop, like first person, and she has a brace on. Okay, easy, brace. She needs healing, right? Easy. Like real obvious. Don't have to have a word of knowledge, nothing. <laughs> so we go to pray for her, and by the way, she barely speaks English. I barely speak Spanish. Neither of the people do. So we're just like kind of communicating. Like, Jesus, love. You know, I don't know. Like, barely communicate. <laughs> pray, pray, you know, for your... So then we, so we pray for her. I, I, I tell her, take it off. Like, take the thing, like, take her little brace off. She takes it off and like, she goes... Ow. You know what I mean? Like, so universal language, not healed, right? <laughs> not healed. So then we pray for her some more. I said, uno mas, you know? I know something up Spanish. So then anyway, <laughs> pray for her. I know, I took French in, 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 in school. I took actually five years. It's because the French teacher was better, but it's totally not helpful. But anyway, um, <laughs> I've never been to France. Um, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, pray for her again. She's healed. She starts crying. She's totally healed. The person next to her, we pray for her. She's touched. I mean, we don't even speak, you know what I mean? It's awesome, right? So they're both touched. So then we're like, okay, amen. Praise God. This is the love of Jesus. Then we go into the laundromat, which is right by the bus stop. And the same thing breaks out there. We lead three people to the Lord. There's five to seven people healed. I think it was five in there. And um, it was so fun. We were passing out these bracelets. This is just something we had. Not everybody did this, but we had these pretty bracelets. They didn't have Jesus on them or anything. They're just pretty. And so we would say this to some of the women, like, do you want a bracelet? You know, or whatever. And so this woman was all tatted out, right? She had total sleeves on both, both arms. So I go, oh, do you want a bracelet for the love of Jesus or whatever? And she's like, um, no. Like, I don't wear bracelets, you know, like, type thing. And like, after she watched what happened in the laundromat she walked up to me she tapped me and she said actually I want a bracelet <laughs> and then we prayed for her well in the meantime somebody knocked somebody's knocking on the laundromat well it's wide open we're like um okay why are you knocking well it's the people from outside they called people no one told them to do this they called people so there's people outside waiting for us to pray for them Again, we had never met these people. 
These people, <laughs> anyway, so there's a prayer line outside of the laundromat now. No, literally, there's a prayer line. So we pray for everyone there, and then this woman walks by, and she's on a mission, and the Holy Spirit says, follow her. So I start following her and kind of going, hi. Like, she's like, she does not want to talk to us. But the Holy Spirit is saying, follow her. So we, we follow her into a health clinic. As soon as we walk in, the presence of God comes and a woman starts bawling. Now, I'm not kidding. Nothing has been said yet. Walk, walk in, cry, like crying. I was like, no, we're here to show her the love of Jesus. She goes, I know, I know. She's 23 years old. She said she left the Lord two years before. She's chilling, Chilean. She's from Chile. <laughs> thought she was just chilling okay um anyway she so when she starts so we start leading her to the like through the you know I mean but it's easy like this woman's already under the conviction of sin she's pouring out her sin and I said see what's happening right here I said this is the love of God I announce it to the whole waiting room there's a massive waiting room too and they're like, and one woman goes, praise the Lord. And so then I go, if more of you would like prayer, raise your hand. Everyone in the entire waiting room raises their hand, except one person, the woman who led us there. <laughs> and I looked at her and I, like, this is, <laughs> this is God. I look at her and I go, it's okay. You were chosen by God to be the vessel of his love. That even if you don't want prayer, what you were chosen to do today just happened. God chose you to give love to this entire room. Anyway, amen. We pray for the whole room, lots of healing. Some people come but to the Lord. And guess what? Only an hour has gone by. <laughs> we have another hour. So we go to the park, which is right across the street, and it breaks out more. And the phone phenomenon happens. Like, no one tells people to call people, but they start calling people. And like, it's the craziest thing. So I'm just, all these people are hanging out, you know, like the people who hang out and smoke pot in your parks, right? <laughs> Drink beer. It's a Thursday. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, a it's, a it's a Thursday at 2 p.m. And um, so... <laughs> We walk up to them, or like, we're here to share the love of Jesus. Any of you have something wrong with your body? So one brave, you know, guy raises his hand. We pray for him. He's immediately healed. And so, there, so then this other woman gets the nerve, and she says, well, I need, I need healing, too, in my knee. And she had had pain in her knee for a year. So we pray for her. She starts cussing. You know what I mean? Because she's like, oh, you know what I mean? She's, like, she's saying bad words. But um, she's so happy. <laughs> She starts running, like exactly what you tell people to do in the church, they do automatically. She starts running. She's like, I would never believe this unless it happened to me. I said, this is the love of Jesus. And we start leading her to the Lord. And um, it keeps going on. The entire park we pray for. And in the meantime, all the friends start coming because of the phone calls. And so at the end of two hours, three of us gone out, just three. There was much more that was happening in the city, but just our little window, 34 healings, 14 salvations. What? Okay, so like, <laughs> is that awesome? And 
I tell you that because we're not special. This is what happens when we spend hours in the presence of God. There's people backing you up in prayer, meaning you're out and people are still praying for you. And this is what happens. It just opens up. It's Acts 1 with Acts 2. And the hard to reach, because if you look at Acts 2, Acts 2 are the people that were living in the city that saw Jesus minister, saw Jesus die, saw Jesus resurrected. Many of them would have witnessed him because he ministered for 40 days after he was raised from the dead. And these are the same ones. They're hard to reach people. And yet Acts 1 leads to Acts 2 and the hard to reach are touched 3,000 of them get saved. They weren't convinced in the death of Jesus when the tearing of the temple would have been enough for many Jewish people to believe. Like, you know what I mean? When Jesus dies, the temple is torn, like the, that massive rip happens. That would be like, okay, it gets dark all of a sudden. You know, okay. Um, you know what I mean? These are convincing moments, and yet they're not convinced. It's, and this is many of the people we have relationships with. They've already been exposed to Jesus many times, but he, they're looking for a people then that would press into the presence and with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit witness, because then people are cut to the heart. So I advertise that because guess what? Your church, 242. So just by your name, you have to be a part of it. Just kidding. No, um, <laughs> but it's October 28th to November 4th. And we will, um, this is just the first advertisement, but afterwards we'll pass out things. And if you want to be a part of it or know more, know more information, um, Danielle and Rodrigo will be in the back. So amen. Okay, now we're going to do it. The message. Okay. <laughs> so, house of prayer. Jesus and the Father have named their house. And you know what? They're never going to get over it. They're never going to get over it. They could have called it the house of teaching. They could have called it the house of evangelism. They could have called it the house of miracles. But they called it the house of prayer. And for all of eternity, it's going to be called that. Now, I, I'm part of something called the house of prayer. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I mean, not like name yourself houses of prayer. No, that's not it. It's, that means as a Christian, if we are part of the house, if we have been brought into the house, guess what? Prayer is not for the ladies. Prayer is not for the older ones. Prayer is not for the little ones. Prayer is for everyone. We are known to be the ones who pray. That is what God wants to identify us as. Because if we've been brought into his house, his house is a house of prayer. Therefore, it's not optional, folks. It's not like you can just pass that off. Well, they'll be praying for us. No, that is not what God designed humanity for. In fact, Jesus, who is fully human and fully God, he lives to make intercession. He will forever make intercession. It is the way of his house. Meaning, prayer is an eternal reality. It is not just for when you live in broken earth. It is an eternal way of being with God. It's the way of engagement with God. And therefore, the disciples are with Jesus. They watch him evangelize. They watch him teach. 
In fact, they get to be a part of it. They watch him do amazing miracles. They watch him multiply food. And guess what? When they ask him to teach them something, they ask him just one thing. We've seen it all. We've seen how powerful you preach. People, they listen to you when you preach. And let me tell you, most of us, if we were in the midst of that preaching, we'd be like, teach us how to preach. <laughs> but they watched his whole life and they said, teach us how to pray. And that is what's on this generation. We are going to be a people. When people know us, they'll say, oh, they're people of prayer. Because they are part of the house and the house knows how to pray. And I feel like God has brought you into this house that's called Acts, not Acts, Church 242 because of Acts 242. And guess what? It's an upper room experience that leads to the Acts 242. And God wants everyone. We've done such a disservice by delegating and saying there's the prayer group. There's the prayer people. Those are the intercessors. Let me tell you, there's no gift of intercession. You can't find it in the Bible. And guess what? Jesus, who is fully God, he wakes up early to pray. He stays up late to pray. He prays all the time. So much so that the disciples say, if we could get one thing from you, this is what we want. Teach us how to pray. Men, this is not a woman's ministry. This is not a woman's ministry. We have done a massive disservice by saying, it's, oh, look at those cute women. They pray. <laughs> Okay, women, we need you to pray this, this, and this. We'll just keep being busy. No, that is not what God, he said, no, come close. I have built my kingdom in a way that unless you come to me and come to me all the time, our king, the kingdom does not break out. So listen, these are my first four priorities. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And blessed are the hungry and thirsty. There's a life of prayer. <laughs> yes. I'm going to tell you how you get to live those three, four out. Those four that are so precious to the Lord. They're the opposite of the American values. Very opposite. People always say, why are miracles breaking out in Africa and certain places of Asia? Oh, because their culture lines up with the culture of heaven. <laughs> it's easy. They come to Christ and their culture immediately feels just like heaven. And they, they don't mind being poor in spirit. They don't mind hungering and thirsting. They don't mind mourning. Our culture is in the direct opposite of the, of the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, he has to convert us to get used to his kingdom, that we feel comfortable with poverty of spirit, that we don't know all the answers, we can't fix every problem, and our busyness and astuteness won't get it done. <laughs> and so he's like, and then you get to mourn. Why do you mourn? Because you keep the ideals of the word of God, and you never let them go down to what life is telling you it should be. You keep them high. You don't see the healing break out, but you don't let go of healing. You don't see the person that the person experienced breakthrough, but you still keep it high and say, God is a God of breakthrough. You don't see the situation turn around, but you still say, God, I know who you are. 
And guess what? We mourn in those moments. Okay, but I'm getting ahead of myself. The upper room reality is that we would be okay with waiting in front of God. And why I would say that is because a lot of times we think prayer is, let me find the quickest way to get things done. That is not what prayer is. Prayer is, let me come close because without him I can do nothing. <laughs> and let me sign up for his ways and not my ways. Now, if we live the casual thing with, well, if he wants it, he'll just do it. We're missing out on what prayer is supposed to do on the inside of us. Because prayer is supposed to transform us into his likeness, but it's also supposed to bring forth his kingdom. So it's doing two things at the same time. Therefore, we, if, we, if we just say, oh, it'll just happen, say la vie, you know, whatever God wants will just happen, I don't need to keep asking him, then we're missing out on what he can do on the inside of us as we keep in a posture of dependency day in and day out. I'm going to tell you a little thing. <laughs> the Lord, years ago, woke me up out of a dream, and he said, most people want to take my kingdom, but my kingdom is only given. Their demands won't make me give it to them. They can't take it from me. They have to get into a posture where I will give them my kingdom. My kingdom is given. Well, then he said to me, it's a song from the Cranberries. <laughs> Do I have to let it linger? Do I have to let it linger? I want you, you know, <laughs> wait, I've got you wrapped around my little finger. And he said, I let it linger. I let it linger because I want humanity wrapped around my little finger. And so a lot of times when God gives you promises, because prayer, we receive promises, right? And then, or we have the promises of here. And you're like, okay, but I prayed and it didn't happen. Oh, that's okay. You just keep praying. <laughs> and he said, as you keep praying, guess what? You'll become weak, weak, weak. And then, apart from me, I, you can do nothing. I'm going to explain it a little better. A lot of times when you sign up for prayer, you sign up for prayer because you want change, right? And God will give us change a lot of times, initially. But then he'll give us these big promises and he won't, they won't, they won't manifest. You're like, I thought you gave them to me so they would manifest. So we have Abraham, Moses, we have David, we have Jesus, we have all these ones who are given promises and then they have to wait and wait and wait. Is it because their prayer life is not effective? No, it's because God said, oh, there's something beautiful about the waiting and keeping belief in, it's like active waiting, never letting go of the promise, but waiting, waiting, waiting. And he said, guess what? Waiting guarantees weakness. And I love humanity's weakness. Not weakness like, oh my gosh, I'm a mess, I always do what I want. Not that kind of weakness. That's not the weakness God loves. I mean, he's nice, he's kind, he'll go down to it. 
But the weakness he's wanting is the weakness that comes because we, <laughs> we get into this place where we keep praying, we keep praying, and then we're like, why isn't anything happening? And he's like, oh, something amazing is happening. You're getting weak on the inside. And guess what? I love human weakness because I can do a lot through it. And they won't become prideful in the midst of it. If we receive power and answered prayer and we don't stay in a posture of waiting, 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 guess what will happen? Pride, pride, pride. <laughs> That's why he's like, oh, prayer is amazing because it will posture you in a way that what you will, <laughs> what what will happen inside of you when I release power, when I release the promise, when I release the answers, you won't get all about yourself. You'll be all about me. Okay, now saying all that, I'm gonna, <laughs> that's a lot to say. Because one of the things I realize, what we do not pray because we don't realize how much it means to God. And maybe we do, but we don't know what to do when we pray. How many of you don't know what to do when you pray? Raise your hand boldly. Come on. Okay, how many of you pray over 10 minutes a day? Raise your hand. How many, how many over a half hour? This doesn't matter about time. How many of you an hour? Okay. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> We're, we don't know how to do this, folks. And that is not, we're the house of prayer. We're the people that belong to the God who calls his house a house of prayer. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to learn how to pray. And we're not going to just learn how to pray a formula. That's not it. He wants to fascinate you with his presence. And so how does that happen? First, this is my prayer life, worship. I worship for 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour. And you're like, really? Yeah. Why do I do that? Because he likes it. <laughs> and so, guess what? I don't do the playlist. I barely do a playlist. I do one song, maybe three. And then the last song, I, he's on it, usually. And I just repeat it. Because you know what? If I go to the next song and the next song, then I'm all about the song. And guess what? God doesn't care really about, well, he does. But he, he likes repeat. You know that holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come was said in the days of Isaiah and it was said in the days of John. And there was a lot of years between there. There was hundreds and hundreds of years, meaning God doesn't need originality to experience his presence. <laughs> and so sometimes our playlist is killing us because we're just so quickly going through it. And he's like, no, no, no. I just want you to get focused in on me. And then if the song is distracting, eventually, I mean, eventually, and you have to go to the next song and the next song and the next song, you'll get off of me. So I learned this early on. Lou Engle was one of my spiritual fathers, and he taught me that. He said, Cheryl, you find the song that God is on, and you just stay on it. I mean, I, I was in so many prayer readings where we were just saying, I'm desperate for you for like two hours. I'm desperate for you. But guess what? God was loving it. So I do that every day. And let me tell you, all of you are going to say, I don't have that time. I don't have that time. <laughs> and this is what I would say. You're the people of God. And he said, 
it's interesting. He said, when you're merciful, when you pray, and when you fast, he wants your money, <laughs> he wants your time, and he wants your energy. It's never convenient to pray. It's never convenient to fast. And it's never convenient to be merciful. And yet God, when he gives his good sermon, his great sermon, he says, these three things you're going to all do. You're going to give me your time, you're going to give me your energy, and you're going to give me your resources, your money. And you're going to spend it in ways that aren't convenient. Because let me tell you, time is the most precious commodity we have. And who we give it to is what means the most to us. And if we are saying, oh, you know what, I just don't have time, you got to make it. And Jesus knew this, so he stayed up late and he got up early. And he wasn't being religious, he was giving time our most precious commodity. And no one can do it for you. You have to do it. And so guess what? <laughs> your presence, just like his presence means a lot to you, your presence means a lot to him. And nothing else, hard work, kingdom works, all of these things will not replace you giving him time. So we spend the time. I would say tithe your day. And you're like, you're kidding me. You're saying two hours? Yes. I'm saying two hours. And you're like, we're not there yet. You're going to be there. And I'm going to get you there. No, I'm not. <laughs> but I'm going to get you. <laughs> but I'm going to help you. Because this is the thing. You, <laughs> we, this is not for a special ministry. This is the people of God. When I said, oh my gosh, God. <laughs> We've made it about everything but the thing you like the most. How, teaching people how to be with you where you are. <sighs> okay. So we're in the midst of worship. Right? Like this is what I'll do. I'll just spend about 40 minutes. And why do I do that? So I can get caught up in eternity. Not in my temporal thinking. That it's just about him getting my answers. You know like oh God I need help with this. Oh God I need this. He likes that but there's more. So I'll spend time in worship. And then as I do that. Then I'll just start saying oh my gosh I love you. You're amazing. And I'll just say God you're Oh, you're all together amazing. And then I don't even want to talk sometimes, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about when the presence comes like that. But then I'll say, God, oh, I just want to see your purposes manifested. And then as I do that, I feel like the Lord will start directing and he'll start sharing different things for me to pray for specific people, for specific situations, all of that. And I just start agreeing with him. Right? And you're like, but that doesn't always happen to me. So this is what we do. We get the Bible out and we get a favorite psalm. And we just then use the psalm and we start praying for our friends. <laughs> and then you just say things like, teach me, God. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's just use that one. God, teach me what it's like to experience you as a shepherd. Shepherd me today. Shepherd my family today. Shepherd my the congregation I go to today. Would you just sh and just use it? I ask that your your presence would be in the midst of the work that I do. That people would experience you as a shepherd. I mean, we just use that. 
And then you're like, I shall not what? Oh God, I want a lot. I want so much. Oh my gosh, I have so much desire. <laughs> help me to not want. Help me to be satisfied in you. Help my, help my family to be satisfied in you. And we just use that. Because guess what? The Bible is a cheat sheet, but it's not a cheat sheet. It was given to us because God knew we were prone to boredom. We're prone to it. I'm bored in God sometimes, very bored. Then this is my favorite. As, as I'm in that place, and I'm just saying, God, because we won't pray if we don't know how to do it. And a lot of us feel dumb in doing it. So this is what I'm saying. We use this, and we then just turn it back to God. This is what I learned so many years ago. And all I do is sometimes I'll use one chapter and I'll just be on it for six months. And I'll just pray it because God is able to give anything through any word. He's able to expand it to the, to the, to the ends of the earth. I mean, he can use Psalm 23, which most of us know, and he can fulfill all of his purposes for the people around us and for our own lives. He's so good at it. But he wants us to get fascinated with him in the midst of it. That's why he teaches this prayer. Because let me tell you, when you have your child fix a car with you, you're not expecting them to do anything, really. They're not going to get the car fixed. Let's say you, you pick, well, maybe if it's your 20-year-old son. But if it's your 5-year-old son, you do it so that they can be with you, right? And then guess what? There's bonding that's happening in the midst of it. That's what prayer is like. There's bonding happening while we do it. And they're like, look at those cute little prayers they're praying. Like Jesus will think that if it, initially. Because some of it is some, like we don't know what we're praying. But then he'll say, what's happening is we're bonding. And then he'll reveal things to us. And we'll get more and more able to pray the way he prays. Do you get that? Okay, I'm going to show you a few verses. Let's look at Isaiah 30 real quick. And then this will be it. I probably have spoken way too long. What time do I end at? Now? Yes. Okay, amen. Okay, I'm done after this. Therefore, verse 18, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. <laughs> Let's just look at it one more time. Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Prayer is not about getting immediate answers. Prayer is about becoming accustomed to the ways of God. We're being enculturated and we're becoming poor in spirit. Those who mourn those who hunger and thirst. We're becoming those who wait upon the Lord. And guess what? He longs to be gracious, but sometimes he delays answers. And it's not because he's not impressed by you. It's because he wants to be gracious to you. And he knows that if he gives certain things right away, you won't keep coming. You will get so full of yourself, you won't. And so he has timing in all of that. 
So don't let your prayer life be whether he answers immediately or he doesn't. Don't let that be. We'll be like waves tossed in the sea. We'll become double-minded. Don't do that. Do prayer because he is, ah, he's wanting you to bond with him. He wants you to be near him. He wants you to get caught up in the, in the occupation of heaven. You know, we always say on earth as it is in heaven. Guess what they do day and night, night and day in heaven? They worship and pray. And so he's getting you. This is just the beginning invitation. I'm sure I'll come back another day. Uh, because I feel like this is just a primary invitation. But I want to invite each of you this week. I want, I want to invite you to every day mark out the time for Jesus. And give yourself in private devotion to him. Because we are the house of prayer. And no one can do it for you. No one can be a substitute. I remember back in the days of Biola, we could all, like, we'd have our friends flip our numbers so that we would be at chapel. No one can flip your number. No one can just say, oh yeah, they were there too. No. Only you can give him that time. And by giving him that time, let me tell you, there's going to be some exchanges that happen inside of you as well as around you that is so amazing. But the man, <laughs> amen. I'm just going to leave it at that. And I'm going to just pray this prayer. Jesus prayed in John 17. Father, I desire that they would be with me where I am and they would behold my glory. I'm going to pray that God would give you grace today to be with him. That God would give you grace to schedule the time. You guys, if you make it about convenience, you'll never do it. There's always things pressing around you. Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by much serving. It's going to keep you from the one thing that really matters, sitting at my feet and listening to me. Ah, oh, Church 242, this is who you are. This is why I'm speaking so openly to you. I feel like Paul right now. I can speak openly to you because this is who you are. A house that is his house. Therefore, you are a people of prayer. And we're going to give him worship. And then out of the place of worship, we're going to find one place in the scripture. And we're going to use that as our prayer guide. Just any place. God's so amazing, he can use even Zephaniah 2 to do his purposes through you. <laughs> okay, amen. Let's just, I'm going to pray this. Father, I just thank you. It says, you long to be gracious, therefore you have us as a people who wait on you. Not at a distance, but before your face, we would be a people who wait upon you. A people who pray before you. A people who worship. I ask that this week, Church 242, each one would be a people that just are cultivating being in your presence. I ask that you would even right now speak to them about their calendar. Speak to them about their each day and what time they can give to you. I ask that God, they would schedule it out. I ask grace, grace to seek your face. Grace, grace to seek your face. And that they would do the one thing that remains. 
Luke 10.42. Yeah, I ask that God give them Luke 10.42 too. I ask that they would be the people who sit at your feet and listen to you, who give themselves to what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.